0: Johnny is not asking for money, not promoting any ideas. Johnny is doing the work of a real evangelist. He's telling people God loves them. He's wishing them a good day. Just this little 92-year-old man in Hamilton, Bermuda, gets up every day and finds himself on this roundabout and starts blowing kisses. It's said that people change their way to work to drive by Mr. Happy. It's said that some people drive around the the thing two or three times just so he tells them to have a good day. It's recorded that if people drive by and Johnny's not there, they actually start calling the police department or radio station to make sure Johnny's okay. I think we forget how much the world needs encouraged. I think we forget that we bring good news, not bad news. That when Christ was born, it was the declaration of good news to bring you joy, not bad news of the duty you have to perform. I think that if some 92-year-old man wearing a straw hat and a salty beard can alter the community that he's in, I wonder how much more, if just the people in this room would make up their mind to smile, that a smile can change the world, not your doctrine not your dogma, not what you're for, not what you're against, but who you represent. We represent one who loves man unconditionally. Johnny says we as human beings ought to learn to love one another. One of the greatest joys that can come to an individual is that when you're doing something and helping others, they know you love them. I believe one of the foundations for revival in fact i don't believe revival will take place unless we begin to encourage love and lift one another up we live in a society that would rather criticize than celebrate a human being you and i have been called to celebrate every human being and not criticize a one we've been called to lift up humanity not evaluate its behavior worldwide people profess that happiness is their most cherished goal. The most popular class that Yale University has offered for over 300 years is a class on happiness. People are hungry for happiness. That's why retailers can sell you all kinds of things. Buy this hand cream, you'll be happy. Eat this pizza or in this place and you'll be happy. Marketing companies, even Preparation H, you ever wondered why they call it H? Because without it, you're unhappy. Yeah. Happy people enjoy higher odds of a strong marry, lower odds of divorce. They're healthier as a result of bolstered immune system. People correlate happiness between that and success. There's over 25 studies that indicate that happy people are more effective than Debbie Downers. And yet only one-third of Americans surveyed says they're happy. That means two out of three people in this room are unhappy. Hmm. It's amazing to me that the World Health Organization forecasts that by the year 2020, depression will become the second leading cause of disease in our world. We as a Pentecostal church pray for healing all the time, and yet we allow people to walk around us that are unhappy. Maybe we ought to change that. If we want revival, if the second largest cause of disease is depression, and we want revival, maybe we ought to declare war on depression. Maybe we ought to declare war on living such an unhappy life. The Bible says... That happy are the people whose God is the Lord. The Bible says happy are the people whose hope is in the Lord. The Bible says happy is the man whose sins the Lord has forgiven. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm looking at you. Are you happy that you're forgiven? Are you happy that he's your hope? Are you happy that he's your help? Well, why in the world don't you show it? Why in the world isn't there smiles on our faces and joy in our step? If we are supposed to receive that kind of happiness, listen to me. Happiness was a trademark of Christ. I, I mean, you've got to think about it. His purpose statement is that I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. His purpose statement is that I've come that you might enjoy. That's his purpose statement. His trademark was making people happy. He was never accused of being grumpy. Or a jerk. People didn't groan when he walked in the room. They didn't duck for cover when he entered. He called them by name. He listened to their stories. He answered their questions. He visited their sick relatives. He fished with fishermen and ate lunch with little people. He went to weddings. He went to so many parties that he was criticized for hanging out with the wrong crowd. Thousands came to hear him, hundreds followed him. They shut down their businesses and walked away from careers to be with him. Jesus exuded happiness, joy, peace. I wonder once again if that's what his church is doing. I wonder once again why we talk about so many things when the most often written thing in the scriptures over 2,700 times he talks about joy and happiness and gladness, and pleasure. The church for 2,000 years has been talking about sin, and hell, and behaviors to the expense of the reality of joy, and happiness, gladness, and pleasure. Rather than scaring people about their behaviors, why don't we offer them the results of being in relationship with the God that wants them to enjoy living this morning? God wants you to have a life that's so full of Him that others are hungry and thirsty for whatever it is that you're experiencing. We must understand that in His presence, His fullness of joy is not a good idea. It's a reality. That to really live in His presence is to know this intoxicating happiness that makes other people call you drunk. I mean, to be so high on God that other people think you're intoxicated by the world. In fact, there's no hangover from this. We have made churches institutions of education rather than encounters of a God that will heal and deliver them. We have celebrated our brilliance of interpretation when in fact we don't know the God that we're interpreting. Well, I don't know how to experience that happiness. Well, it's because you don't know the God and his attitude towards you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, On the sixth day, the Lord saw that everything he had made, say everything. Look at the thing beside you and say everything. Look at the thing behind you and say everything. Think about the problem you were facing this week and say everything. Everything. Think about what you got to do next week and say everything. God saw everything he had made and indeed it was very good. God's attitude towards anything that exists is good. It's all good. Not just what he made those six days because he's the only one that creates anything. So whatever is existing, yeah, but you don't know that this bad thing, no, everything works together for the good. It's very good to be alive this morning. It's very good to be working in the job you're working. It's very good. Say it's very good. Say with me. My life life is is very good. Pastor, you don't know my life. Yes, I do. You're breathing. The option is not. Very good. Very good. In other words, God's attitude towards what he has created, he has an attitude towards you. Here's an attitude. Here's a mindset. His mindset towards you is that you're good, specifically towards men and women. I think of Viola Davis in The Help. You, you is kind. You is smart. And you is important. My God, I'd play that video over and over in my head if I was you. I got it on quick on my computer. You, you is kind. You're smart. Parents, maybe you ought to try Viola's advice on your children because what you've been doing ain't working so well. Maybe, maybe you ought to start pointing out their good behavior because do you understand that whatever behavior you point out is the behavior that's going to be repeated. And instead of pointing out all the bad behavior, maybe you ought to praise the behavior that you want to be repeated. Instead of cussing about your neighbor, why don't you find a way... See, God's attitude towards humanity is that we're good, that we're created in his likeness and his image. I love the psalmist, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great the sum of them. I should count them and they would be more in number than the sand when I awake and I am still with you. Listen, when I was dating Annie, did you know I only had thoughts of her? My dad would say, son, would you pay attention to what you're doing? I couldn't because my brain was filled with thoughts of Ann. You're not getting this. Did you know that all God is thinking about this morning is you? That he is not worried about whether the world is going to spin out of control. He's not worried about what politicians are doing. He is so unworried about anything he created that the only thing he's thinking about is you. You're on the mind of God this morning. Man, some of you need to take your mind off yourself because he's got you in his mind. You don't have to worry so much about yourself because the God that created you, sustains you, and upholds you and wants you good, he is consistently thinking about how to bless you. Consistently, constantly planning and plotting about how to take everything that's happening in your life, turn it around, and bring it in The only thought he has for you is positive. The church sometimes has given the impression that the Father has a different attitude towards the creation than what I've just described. I listened to some preachers and you'd think that God was mad at the world. I grew up in a place to where the conflicting stories that I was presented were confusing. The God of the basement talked about his love. The God of the second floor talked about hell. Is very confusing, but Jeremiah the prophet clarifies this. I will visit you and perform my good word towards you, and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, thoughts to give you a future and a hope. God is thinking about your future and about good things, not evil things. He's plotting and planning to make you the head and not the tail, above and not below. Bless coming in and blessed going out. Blessed shall be the peace of your children. He is plotting and planning specifically for you. Look at your neighbor and say, wow. Isaiah the prophet says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so my way is higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, so they do not return, but water the earth that it may bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the water. So my word goes forth out of my mouth. And what's he saying? Every word that I have ever spoken, ever will speak over you is like water and snow to prosper you and to make you flourish and to produce and to be fruitful the word of God. is blessing us. Anybody time the word uses the word to slap us, it ain't his word. Anytime the word is used to judge people, it ain't his word. Because he said, my word will nourish, sustain water. Oh, you're not hearing me. When you see Jesus blessing and bringing happiness, that's the word. People misconstrue this, but it doesn't contain the heart of Jesus. His thoughts and ways are higher His attitude towards us is good. So that when you see Paul write to the Philippians, let this mind or this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, then let's understand that God and the Son are not separated. That if the Father's attitude towards us is to do us good, then the attitude of Jesus is to do us good. And when Jesus does us good, it's because He's like the Father. He and the Father are one. And He intends to do good towards us. That is the attitude of God. And let this attitude, then his attitude is supposed to be our attitude. Have you ever met somebody with an attitude? Do you understand that your attitude is not supposed to be a reflection of your circumstances? Your attitude is supposed to be a reflection of the God whose attitude you have adopted. That your attitude is supposed to reflect the God that is now living on the inside of you. That if you have an attitude that's contrary to doing good to other people, then you got the wrong attitude oh, you're not here. Your attitude is not determined by the circumstances. Your attitude is determined by the God who has adopted you, saved you. And if God has a good attitude towards each other, then you're supposed to have a good attitude. Some of you are going, well, I like it when you talk about God's attitude towards me. But when you start talking about my attitude towards God, I'm not sure. Because sometimes your attitude towards God has sucked. Sometimes your attitude towards yourself has not been good. Sometimes your attitude towards other people have not been good. And you're blaming it on other people. No, you get to choose what kind of attitude, mindset that you have. In fact, the Bible says you can renew it, change it, alter it, bring it into alignment with God's attitude. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm changing my attitude. If you want revival, you're going to have change your attitude. Many people have the attitude that God, waiting for God to do something for the revival to start. No, God is here. He's always been here. He's not gotten more. He's not gotten less. What's happened is we've had an attitude that has kept the revival from coming into our midst. Oh, you didn't get it. Listen, I've stepped into churches that had an attitude. No, that stuff happens anymore. Well, that's just not the way... That's an attitude that stops the flow of the power of God. Oh, well. Men are anxious to improve their circumstances, right? Is that up there? No? Can it be up there? Men are anxious to improve their circumstances, but they're unwilling to improve themselves. Therefore, they remain bound. Everybody wants their circumstances to improve, but they don't want to improve themselves. Everybody wants things around them to improve, but they don't want to improve their thinking. They don't want to improve their speaking. They don't want to improve their walking. They don't want to improve their attitude. In other words, if you want to improve your life, maybe you ought to improve your attitude. Because, honey, it don't sound too good right now. How many of you ever wake up with a bad attitude? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Because you don't have to raise your hand. We know it. You don't have to admit to a bad attitude. We can smell it. Oh, you didn't get it. The greatest discovery in our generation is that people can alter their lives by altering their attitude. See, we get to control our attitude. And did you know that your attitude is a reflection of your feelings? You ever heard by somebody say, I feel? Oh, you're just describing your attitude. Because I'm not responsible for your attitude. I'm not responsible for that, but anytime, ooh, this gets close to home, doesn't it? Well, they made me, I got so tickled. Uh, uh, Fred Altvader comes every Sunday morning for service. I get done this morning, and, and, and Fred's 86. Anybody know who Fred is? Yeah, he right hey, Fred. comes up, he gets communion, he comes over, and he goes, You know, he said, a very long time ago, I went to a conference, and that man said, asked a question, can I make you mad? And he said, people in the room started saying, oh, yeah, 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 you make me mad. He said, no, I can't. If you, it, it, I can't make you mad, you have to make yourself mad. If what I can do can make you mad, you've given the authority of your life over to me. And that would be a stupid thing to do. Brett right. there, right. Right, right there. I thought, you know, there is things to be learned from somebody 86 if we'll pay attention. Oh. I love what Paul says in Acts chapter 26, verse 2. I think myself happy. I think myself happy. How do I make myself happy? I change what I'm thinking. I change my attitude. If I change... How many of you have looked at your kids and said, change your... Wow. Our attitude of ourselves normally reflects the attitude that we have projected on other people. See, we are not victims of other people's attitudes. We are actually imprisoned by our own How many of you remember the story of Snow White where she goes, where the the, the wicked goes to the mirror on the wall and goes, Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? See, that's actually what we play with our own lives. We go down into the hallways of our own lives and we look at our past behaviors and our past opinions of ourselves and we actually ask ourselves, Mirror, mirror, Quentin, Quentin on the wall what's your attitude of yourself. See, however you think about God will determine in many ways what you think about yourself and what you think about yourself will determine how you feel. Your feelings are actually the results and the revelation of how you feel about yourself. And see, God said that we are very good. God says that I think about you in that way. Dr. Joyce brothers, who many of you will never remember, she used to say, it is impossible to perform consistently in a manner inconsistent with the way we see ourselves. It is impossible to perform consistently in a manner inconsistent with the way we see ourselves. Hmm. See, our behavior is a result of the way we see ourselves. If we see ourselves as this, this, and this, we perform and behave in such a way. Maybe we ought to help people to see themselves in a better way. Maybe... Maybe maybe Johnny is helping people to see themselves. I love you. I love you. Have a good day. God loves you. Maybe we could help change people's perspectives of themselves by revealing to them the way that God sees them. If I'm an instrument of God, I'm supposed to help you see yourself the way God sees you. Can I just tell you that I'm afraid that the church of the last couple hundred years has done nothing to help that all they've done is try to promote i've got to tell you i listen to preachers all the time say well you've got to know you're a sinner before you go to heaven hmm. he died for you when you were yet a sinner the news is not about your behavior but about his behavior his behavior trumps your behavior and the minute you know that is when salvation will come into your lives and the minute you begin to see yourself the way god sees you your behaviors will begin to change automatically that's good theology. I know it offends some of you, but it's good theology nonetheless. Secondly, it's true. So what are the attitudes of Christ? Well, Philippians chapter 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Number one, he had a selfless attitude. A selfless attitude. It's not all about you, bro. He had a selfless attitude. That, that changed most people's lives right now, is not to think of themselves more highly than they ought. Christ displayed a selfless attitude. Who, being in the nature of God, did not consider his equality with God something to be be grasped. He was secure. He could surrender the position because he was secure in the relationship. He could surrender his rights because he was secure in his relationship. Listen to me. We have to have an attitude that is both selfless and secure at the same time. The reason I can be selfless is because I'm secure in my relationship with God. And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And he was submissive. He was submissive. The attitude of Christ is that he was selfless, he was secure, and he was submissive. Come on, that is freeing. Have that kind of attitude. It'll set you free from this world. It'll set you free from the circumstances around you. You will no longer allow the things and other people around you to determine how you feel about yourself or how you look at other people. And could I simply suggest that if you have a selfless, secure, submissive attitude, you'll be able to live in the strength of Christ. I then can do all things through the Christ who strengthens me. All that a man achieves and all that he fails to achieve is a direct result of his own attitude. It really is. Change your attitude today and the ability for the power of God to flow in a revival will increase. Viktor Frankl, who is one of my greatest heroes, he was a survivor of Auschwitz and there were very few of them. The last of the human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. I promise you, you did not live in the ash of human humanity as they were being burned to death in the furnaces of Auschwitz. This man lived through that. And said, the freedom that you cannot take away from me is my attitude towards what's happening to me. You are in charge of that attitude. You can survive most things if you can keep your attitude centered. Listen to me, church. God is not waiting on us before he gives himself. He gives himself. We must change our attitude about his presence that's within our lives right now. Oh, my goodness. The attitudes that we accept as children are usually the attitudes that we embrace as adults. Boy, we have to be careful the kind of attitudes we are displaying towards our children. Because the attitudes we display towards children are generally the attitudes that our children adopt. Could I suggest to you that the attitude you're experiencing from your children is probably the one you gave to them? Hmm, Now you're getting quiet. I don't know how many... Is there, any, is there a pilot in here? Anybody here a pilot? Did you know that when a, when a pilot adjusts this of a plane, it's called the attitude? That the attitude of a plane is about whether it goes up or down. Do you know that the winds blowing towards an airplane are always having to make the, air, the, the pilot adjust his attitude? It's called an attitude. Do you know the things that come at you in your life will always make you adjust your attitude? That you'll, you'll find your attitude going down and you'll have to pull it back up. I mean, you, you'll find it. I'm not suggesting to you that your attitude always stays like this. I'm suggesting to you that you have challenges and opportunities for it to go down. But you can pull back on that yoke and pull that thing back up. You can pull back. How many of you know that most time, if you'd pull that attitude back, it would help you in the future? Oh, well. <sighs> okay. Did you know that others can stop you temporarily, but no one can stop you permanently but you? You know, other people can affect you momentarily, but only you can do it eternally. Hmm. Here's some truths about attitudes. Attitudes always determine your approach to life. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and... Attitudes determine your approach to life. There's a story that I found years ago about two men on an elevator. And one of them was really, really happy. and The other one really, really not. And the one that was really, really not said, why are you so happy? He said, because I ain't never lived this day before. You don't want yesterday's life to determine how you live today's life. You need to let yesterday go and say, hey, this is a new day, and his mercies are good forever. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll be glad and rejoice in it. Listen, every day is a good day. Did you hear my prophet up there this morning going, hey, it's all good. It's all sweet. To be alive today is sweet. To be alive today is an opportunity to live because your attitude determines, hey, I just remembered. Romans uh, James's birthday is today. He's sixty-six. Every day is a good day. Wish him happy birthday. I mean, nobody goes have a sad birthday. Nobody goes have a sad birthday. Have a rotten birthday. Have a no. We wish them. You didn't get it. See, our attitude determines our approach. We can choose today to have a good attitude. Attitude determines our relationship with other people do unto others the way you want them to do unto you. The way you do unto people will affect your relationships around you. Your relationships around you are determined in large part by the attitude that you have towards each other. Teddy Roosevelt said the most important single ingredient to the formula of success is knowing how to get along with other people. Man, how many people do you know that you'd like to help learn how to get along with other people? If you can get along with other people, you can be successful in life. Learn how to get along with other people. Can I tell you something? learn how to say these two words. Are you ready? They're very difficult. I'm sorry. Let's practice it together. I'm sorry. Some of you still can't say it. One more time, then I'll move on. I'm sorry. Number three, attitude is nearly always the difference between success and failure. How many, come on, Brian, you're a coach. Attitude, we can win. It's right before you ever put the basketball on the floor. It's about attitude. Attitude will give you the ability to win in life. I've seen people who were losers win because they changed their attitude. Never mind. Our attitude at the beginning of the task will affect the outcome of the task. I have stood beside surgeons that went, no, you're not prepared for this. And they were not talking about the surgery. I've stood there many times as the surgeon went, you're really not ready for this. Because if your mind is not in it, it won't matter what they do. You have to have a mindset because it can affect the end of that day and of that event. Number five, our our attitude can turn our problems into blessings. The difference between an obstacle and opportunity is your attitude. Just ask Abraham Lincoln. Listen, just ask Joseph as he's in the pit. Just ask Moses as he's standing in front of Pharaoh. Your attitude. Just ask the three Hebrew children as they're getting ready to throw them in the fiery furnace. They had an attitude. You could say faith is an attitude. You could say attitude is faith. You could say that your faith will increase if you change your attitude. Oh, well. Attitude. Your mindset, God's mindset, the mindset of the Lord, maybe you ought to let that mindset permeate into your reality. Our attitude can give us an uncommonly positive perception. (laughs) I've thought about this quite often. There's a story in the Bible where there's this great big giant on one side of the river, and there's Israel on this side of the river, and they are stuck because this big giant is shouting at them. And up comes the shepherd boy of about 16 or 17 years old. And he said, I'll go kill your giant. How many of you know this story? Two. And David went running down and he had to go across a river. I have stood at that river. It wasn't that deep. It was about this deep. And David went running down and came across the river. Now, any good warrior knows that if your enemy is crossing a river, kill him. No matter how big you are, if the enemy has to forge water, kill him while they're in the water. Best time to have killed David while he was in the water. And you know, this boy is so stupid that he forgot to load the gun. He's running down the hill, runs into a river, which you should never do, and he forgot to put bullets in the gun. You remember that dude? He was that, for Andy, what was his name? Barney. He, never, he had one bullet and he kept it in his pocket. Uh, So Barney Fife is running down the hill, going through a river, forgot the bullets, and he has to stop in the middle of the river to pick up stones. Are you listening to me? And the Bible says he put five stones in his... We got one giant. Put five stones. I mean, I think he was going, I'm a bad shot. No. And he... How did you read this, Pastor? Uh, Lots. But did you know that Goliath has four brothers... If there are four other giants standing behind that giant, and I'm not only going to take that giant, I'm going to take down every one of them that's lined up behind him. Honey, it's not enough to charge that one thing with a stone. you got to pick up enough stones to take down every bad attitude in your life. You don't just get fix one bad attitude. you got to go to work on every attitude that is limiting your reality, and you got to take it down. Oh, well. Some of you dealt with one attitude, but keep going. There's a couple others there. That's good preaching, Pastor. I'm going to take this to my neighbor because they really need it. (laughs) My mother-in-law needs this message. I know she does. (laughs) She really doesn't. In fact, my mother-in-law taught me a lot of this. Did you know that attitudes do not come automatic? Attitudes are never automatic. You want me to prove it to you? This bum of a son showed up to his rich dad and said, Dad, I want my inheritance now. So the bum of the son, the younger son, he only gets a third, but daddy gives him his third. But if daddy's going to give a third to that one, he's got to go ahead and give the other two-thirds to the older son. He had to act as though he had died, so he can't give this to this one without giving everything else to this one. This one over here gets two-thirds of the state. He's rich. The father is broke because he gave everything he had to his sons. I'm going to say that again. Daddy gave everything he had to his sons. The older son now is in charge of everything. You would think he would be happy. Nope. Attitudes are never automatic. You know how many Christians are sitting in this room this morning and you have everything? The Bible says he hasn't withholded anything. Withholded it. Oh, whatever. I go to my chiropractor every week and get my back adjusted, and every time when I walk out, I think, there ought to be tongue adjusters. (laughs) Yeah, you laugh. I've seen people walk out of doctor's offices after they've been adjusted, and, and I go, how you doing? Well, I don't know whether that did anything or not. It didn't. here's the older son. He's got everything and a bad attitude. Attitudes are not automatic. They're not automatic. And his does never get any better according to scriptures. I mean, when his little brother comes back, he gets even a worse attitude because a little brother comes back, has nothing, but he gets the party. <laughs> Did you know an attitude can keep you outside of a party, even though the party's right there? I mean, a party is happening. I got news for you. I am having a party this morning. I am happy about being alive. We had our 10th grandchild this week. Breslin Shy, nine pounds, five ounces. Fat little thing. It dawned on me, I walked that girl down that aisle. She weighed 95 pounds, and she just had a baby that is 10% of her married weight. Good Lord, Jesus, help us all. This is a good day. I'm having a, you know, the one of the worst things you can do is watch everybody else go to the party and you stay out and have an invitation. In fact, can I tell you something? We're spending your money. You didn't get it. Attitudes are never automatic. You have to make a decision to change your attitude. And those wrong attitudes in your life will block the blessings of God and cause you to live below the potential that God has for you. That attitude kept that older brother out of the blessings. Your attitude is blocking the revival in our lives. The attitude of the church is blocking a revival in America. The mindset of Christians are stopping the revival because they think that the thing has to be changed behaviorally. No, all I got to do is begin to look at every human being as a gift and a child of God and call them good. And when I do, the power of God that's already here will begin to, oh, you're... How many want revival? Revival. How I many want next week for 25 people get saved? Honey, then we got to change our attitude. Well, I'm just, listen to me. If you really love sinners, you'll invite them to the kingdom of God. If you really love sinners, you'll become evangelists. If you really love sinners, you'll begin to invite them into the grace of God. If you really love people, at 92, you'll pull your bag out to a roundabout and go, love you, mm, have a good day. God loves you. If you really love sinners, you'll become their friends. Go make disciples. My translation, go make friends. If you're only going to make friends with people that bless you, you're never going to have any. Go make friends with people that can't add anything to your life. Go make friends with people that you give everything to selflessly in the security that you know. The more you give, the more you receive. Go in submission to God into all the world. And make disciples. Disciples has nothing to do with the doctrine that you're going to teach them. Disciples has everything to do with the love that they will follow. He didn't say, come learn with me. He said, come follow me. I got stopped, don't I? What time is it? Oh, I got it. First lesson. If we change our attitude, revival will just break out. How do we change our attitude? I'm glad you asked. How I mean, you know, many attitudes are hard to change? I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Listen to me. If you'll begin to praise the God that has the right attitude towards you, your attitude will change. Praise is what will change your attitude. Those ingrained attitudes in your mind that you've been battling for, those ones that are holding on and saying, no, precious, those ones right there. Some of you are going, what is he talking about? never mind. I mean, you know, those get rooted out with praise. When you begin to praise God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, when you're willing to praise God, attitudes that are embedded down in there will have to let go. Now that won't happen when we sing three songs on Sunday morning. Can I tell you, if we're really going to break revival out, we got to sing about six songs. If we're really going to fix your stubborn old head, and I know some of you are going to, well, I don't like to sing that long. I know, that's why we're doing It's yeah. to offend you to offend that attitude of pride on the inside of you that says you got something better to do than sing God is good and his mercy endures forever. Honey, all you should be doing is praising God. All you should be doing is singing to God. All you should be doing is praise the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Hear me. When praise breaks out and that's all we do, the attitudes of our life will be changed. You want to see real revival? Come with me because i got people that know how to sing for three hours. Well, some of you are going, well, I ain't doing that. I know. Your attitude preceded you. Praise will root out those attitudes that are down in your life. Praise will change your emotional life. You want to change your emotional life? Buy a speaker for your bathroom. I'm very serious. One of those little bitty jump things. You can go out to Walmart and get them for about $15. And you put it in your bathroom. When you get up in the morning, you hit that thing on your iPhone and you start playing praise music. Honey, before you get your teeth brushed, you'll be happy. Oh, well. Praise will change your feelings about God, about yourself, and about others. And it will spread. Praise will spread. If we change our attitude, we will change the attitude of other people. Just watching Johnny Barnes change your attitude. Now, listen to me. Praise. Praise God, right? If you really want to praise me, if you really want to express your good feelings towards me, praise my kids. If you really want to make me feel good, praise my grandkids. If you really want to make me mad, (laughs) you didn't get it. I was trying to tie from a thought that I earlier said, but you got to be awake to the whole thing to get it. Uh, listen to me. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good for the encouragement and the building of and giving grace to other healers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what will grieve the Holy Spirit? Is when you say anything other than encouraging another one of his children. You want the revival to take place like that? Start encouraging other people. Start loving one another. Start greeting one another with a holy kiss. Start celebrating the people around you. And the revival will break out because praise is not just this way. Praise is this way. The way I praise God the most is the way I treat you. The way I praise God the most is when I call you what God has called you. Very good. You are very good. You are good people. There is so much kindness in you. What if everybody in this room just started encouraging everybody around them? What if everybody in this room started speaking things that brought grace into other people's lives? Right after it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, then speaking poorly of other people must be grievous to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, if you don't know where it's at. The message Bible, or not the message, it's not the message. It's something, some other translation. I think it's the passion. I don't know. Don't be skimpy. Don't skip on being lavishly compliment of the people around you. Don't just go, oh, that was good. Be nuts. Oh, that was. You want me to prove my point? Bo, when something good happens on the field and somebody runs off the field, you guys slap each other on the butt. That is weird. It is weird for grown men in tights with mask on. Grown men in tights with a mask on slapping each other on the butt because they caught a football. And the church has trouble bragging on people who are altering other people's lives with their goodness and their grace. If a high school football team Can be absolutely odd. And it's acceptable. Then why isn't it acceptable for us. To encourage one another. Am I making any sense this morning? I'm your pastor. I love you. I want revival with you. I want revival that will absolutely alter the things in our lives. I really think that we're right there on the edge of it. The two things that the Lord spoke to me to say this morning is change your attitudes, encourage other people. I'm telling you, if we do that, the power of God will be released in this place. We won't even be focused on the gifts of healing. They'll just happen without us even thinking about it. It'll happen without us even talking. Because we'll be loving and encouraging others so, so Purely. Notice how quiet we get. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll change mine if you'll change yours. <laughs> that came from two 18 months, two years old, they were talking over here. They both had messed their pants. And one little boy looked at a little boy and said, I'll change yours if you'll change mine. I thought, wow. There is a spiritual reality in that stand with me this morning